0: Welcome to the Nigel Lee Archive, brought to you by Living Leadership, where every fortnight we share with you a sermon from the late Nigel Lee to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Here's today's message.
1: John 6, 14-21 After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading.
2: Thank you. Jesus had spent the main hours of the day teaching, and then 5,000 people had been fed. Now, that must have taken some hours. If you think how long it takes us uh, to serve communion, around uh, 200 people with exactly the same number of servers, let it be said, 5,000 must have taken a, a long time. And then it was evening.
0: Time to go home. Time to row the seven miles back again from east to west. And Jesus wasn't with them in the boat. He'd gone to the hills to pray. And a
2: fierce storm arose. Strong winds uh, are not uncommon in, in this uh, this area. They come hurtling down the Jordan Valley, or or down those deep scarring, the the ravines that scar the, the shore of Galilee, and they make huge waves at times on this lake.
0: Can you imagine these disciples, soaked, tired, cold, rowing into the teeth? of the gale
2: and making so little progress. I don't know whether any of you have ever been uh, on a small boat out of sight of land uh...
0: in the pitch dark in a storm
2: can you imagine that the sickening lurches as the boat is battered by the waves and then the the shuddering crashes as the waves slap into the sides of the boat and come over, over the top sometimes and the frantic bailing to scoop the water back out again and all the time the wind is shrieking at you. According to Matthew and Mark's account of this incident, the time that we've just read of is between three and six in the morning. It's what is called the fourth watch of the night. And they've only gone three or three and a half miles. It's been a hard struggle all night, and now, at the time that this happens, they're right out in the middle of the lake, a seventh mile width, they're halfway across, out of sight of of land in the darkness and without any shelter. John, who'd been a fisherman in these waters, and who wrote this gospel, uh, he knew how close they could have come to drowning that night. So they're exhausted, they're really struggling and they're perhaps thinking about their families and and friends and so on. That's the situation um, that we are imagining. And they see a figure approaching them across the water,
0: completely suspending the normal laws of gravity. Imagine, they're, they're facing backwards because they're rowing. And they're pulling at their oars,
2: And here comes, towards them, a man completely unaffected by the storm, walking steadily into the teeth of the gale,
0: actually going faster than they were, overtaking them.
2: Don't tell me you wouldn't have been afraid to see something like that in the middle of of that night. I mean, verse 19 says they were confused and they were afraid. It's true, isn't it? I bet it's true for the great majority of people here that our fears get bigger at night
0: and smaller in the day. How many times have I spent
2: hours at night tossing and turning thinking about things which when the daylight comes and the alarm goes and I get up and go off are just this small thing. But in the hours of the night the stuff that you think about to do with work or family I often have this experience. And the number of you that are nodding right now shows me that I'm not alone in this. There was a further problem for these disciples. I mean, to the Jewish mind of this time, large tracts of water, lakes or or oceans, were inhabited
0: by evil spirits and ghosts. Where they went
2: when they were cast out. So what's happening is They're afraid, they're exhausted, they're tired, it's night time, but this is their experience of Jesus being stretched massively. He has allowed them into the situation in order to come in the way he did, to teach them something. This is the only one of these so-called signs in John's Gospel that is totally private, just for the disciples. Every other one, we've, we've been reading and studying and changing the water into the wine and healing the nobleman's son and that fellow that was paralyzed and so on and we will go on next week to see the man that was healed that who was blind and the raising of Lazarus. They're all very public. This is the only one which was for the disciples alone. There are no other spectators or outsiders. And it's almost as if it's been set up that way in order to teach those that want to be disciples of Christ Something that they must learn. And he wants everyone else away while he takes them through this experience. And the turning point comes in verse 20. The turning point in the whole story when Jesus
0: spoke to them. And everything I want to say this morning
2: and I'm going to hope to end a little quicker than normal and give us um, time for a couple of songs and possibly some prayer. You, to Perhaps pick up something and pray in a sentence or two. Everything I want to say depends and hangs on this simple observation. The turning point was when Jesus spoke to them. Don't be afraid, he said. It is I.
0: We probably would say it's me, less grammatically. Actually, it is I. is very confusing, very correct. You may be one of those struggling. In your life, like these disciples, doing your best, pulling at your oar, weary with the effort of it, but seeming to be getting nowhere. And I want to tell you that the Lord knows exactly where you are. He walked
2: to those disciples in the pitch dark, straight to where they were. No ordinary man on the shore could have even seen that little boat out in the darkness, on the lake. Jesus went straight to them. He knows exactly what you feel, what you go through, where you're at in your struggle. You may be one of those afraid of things that are going on in your life. It it is often, in the night times, that these worst fears creep up on us and menace us. Things to do with your family,
0: or your job, or you're not having a job at the moment,
2: or stuff to do with health or whatever. Or you may be afraid that having set out on some undertaking in your life, some relationship or responsibility, you're afraid that you're not going to arrive at where you want to
0: get to. Everything's going to end in disaster, you feel. But it was the voice of Jesus coming through the wind that made all the difference that night. I'm here. he I'm here. Trust me. Don't be afraid.
2: I can sort it out for you. I'm coming to you. The creator of the universe has plans for us and we need to listen. This actually, this private lesson for those who put their hand up and say, yes, I'm a Christian. I've become a disciple. I want to learn to follow. This private lesson is so, so important. There are times when we can all get tired and and miserable and feel in the dark And at those points in our life, it is the word of the Lord that we need. It makes all the difference to how you feel about where you're going and what you're experiencing and what might happen and the stuff that you're afraid of and so on. So let's just take it home to you a little bit. If someone were to say to you, ask you a question, when did you last know that the Lord Jesus was speaking to you? You yourself, what would you say?
0: How would you answer that friendly
2: count, because the disciples would have had a good answer to that question um, the next day back on on dry land, Yes, we heard him last night in the storm, he spoke, he came, he told us not to be afraid that he was with us, and it was true.
0: We need to be able to look back on a week,
2: or has it been very long, months, years, and to know those times when the Lord spoke to us through the wind. And in the darkness, from his word, the Lord's voice is heard in the Lord's word. He he speaks to us through his living book and ignoring his word. Spending little time just sitting with it open on your lap, reading, pondering, lifting your heart, opening your mind. That is a real danger sign in the Christian life. Because Jesus said in this same gospel to these same men only uh, four chapters later, In my sheep, they hear my voice.
0: I know them. They know me. I call them by name. I lead them. They listen. Maybe a better question for us would be, when did you last seek to hear the Lord's voice? By reading his word and lifting your heart to listen and obey. So that's at the heart of this story, isn't it? But the, the other remarkable thing in the story is, The second miracle. Second miracle? What do you mean?
2: Well, not just Jesus displaying his unique creator's ability to suspend the laws of gravity and walk on water to where the disciples were. The second thing, if you notice, in the reading of the story, was when they, verse 21, listened and took him into the boat, they discovered that they immediately arrived.
0: He suspends the laws of space as well. Absolutely astonishing. They didn't have to row any further. The
2: journey that they'd been on was suddenly over. All the strain and anxiety that they'd been going through that night were finished when he stepped into the boat and sat down, smiled at them, and they felt the keel crunch on the sand. Absolutely extraordinary. But how often
0: we find in our experience that that's true. We meet the Lord in a new way. We hear his voice. I was
2: um, this last Monday at the funeral of a, an uncle of mine, a very extraordinary man. But as the story of his life, hey, he's been a district commissioner in the Sudan, he's been a bishop, he's been a headmaster, he's done all kinds of stuff. But there came a point in his life and the story was told in the funeral. Way back when he was uh, Young, late 20s, early 30s, when he met the Lord in, in a completely new way, it totally transformed the rest of his life. And this story had to be told in that funeral service. Uh, it's, it's true. When, when we meet the Lord in a new way, when we give him time to speak to us and we accept his direction, suddenly we find so many of the things that we're straining at or, or struggling over, or frightened of, or, or wearied by. They're all changed. The night seems to be over
0: in that experience. And that was something, too, that the disciples
2: privately were learning that night. Let me draw two conclusions, then, before we finish, and we will sing and pray together as our response. The first is to do with the nature of Jesus'
0: kingship. Did you notice um, at the beginning of
2: the reading that Naomi read to us the clamour of the crowd to make Jesus king? In in verse 15 he says they intended to come and make him king by force. (laughs) You see all that free food all that limitless supply of wine just from water all that health care every disease that he was ever asked to heal he, he dealt with. Well who better to be king in Israel? Someone who can do that. I mean, Herod can't compete with that, can he? Jesus wasn't having it. Not a bit of it. Not this pseudo political kind of kingship that merely attends to mass physical needs and ignores issues of personal relationship to the king. That is the essential heart of the kingdom of God. Every single person in the kingdom of God relates to the king. So Jesus disappeared up the mountain, where they couldn't find him, and instead chose to reveal himself privately to his disciples, because he is the king. But not the kind of king that they wanted to come and make him. He is a unique king, one who prays individually for all his subjects, because he knows what they're going through, one who cares for them, one who knows how to come and rescue them and speak to them, and deliver them when they're in in trouble or need. And one whose kingship over our lives is to be exercised by his voice
0: as we seek to listen to him. One day, if he hasn't come back before then, we will all face a last, final storm.
2: When it will seem that nature has turned against us and is raging. They will come in all of our lives, if Jesus doesn't come back. A day when a gale will be blowing against us like you have never faced
0: before. There may be pain and weariness and anxiety as you come towards the end of your life. And I want to say, too, that the Lord will come
2: that darkness and storm, if you trust in the master over any turbulence that nature can
0: devise and throw against you. He will come. Don't be afraid. It is I. He will say. And you will find at that point that you are about to arrive at the place you had always been heading to, If you're one of his disciples, you won't go under. You'll arrive on dry land instantly, as they did. And the second thing I want to draw your attention to as we uh, come to a finish is the vision of the throne of God in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. In
2: Revelation chapter 4, you remember how a door was was opened in heaven. And John, who'd written the original gospel that we've been reading, um, also wrote this book. This door was standing open and he, he heard a voice like the trumpet saying, come up here. I will show you what must take place after this. And then John sees the throne of God in heaven. It is a most unusual vision. And this king that we've been thinking about, this unique Lord Jesus, is seated on that throne in glory. And the glory is then described for a verse or two. There is a rainbow of mercy all around the throne of God. And there are other thrones nearby. Delegated authority from the great throne. There are indications of great power and majesty coming out from that throne. But then in verse 6, also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea
0: of glass, clear as crystal before
2: the throne and all around it a sea, not now crashing and roaring and threatening but utterly quiet and under control as clear and still as a sea of glass all those experiences in scripture that the men and women that we read of went through, Jonah being engulfed by the waves as he was thrown overboard by colleagues and fellow sailors on that ship, or that hurricane that carried Paul for days across the Mediterranean until he was finally swept ashore in in Malta, or these storms on Galilee that we're thinking of. They come finally to this, at the end of life, that stillness and
0: calmness before the throne of God. He reigns with him. He will bring us through these times when we trust him. Let us seek him and, and hear him. He will reign and those who trust him will not be ever ashamed. I want to read you finally from Psalm 107. And there are
2: verses there from about 23 onwards that speak of life At sea and on on the ships, in the boats, in the storms and so on. Verse 27, they reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed.
0: They were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them
2: to their desired haven.
0: Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for human beings. So in our lives, let's listen to his voice in the storm. Let's seek his voice and let's enjoy his unique kingship. So personal and individual for those that respond to him. We're going to stand and sing um,
2: a song that reflects on this and celebrates it, the Lord's my shepherd. Then I'm going to ask that we just sit for a few moments and perhaps different ones, a number, would like to give thanks to the Lord, as the psalm has told us to do. Rejoice. One sentence, more than one sentence. Guest who's with us here for the first time. Student. Someone who's been coming here for 30 years. It doesn't matter. Let's just have a few moments of prayer And then we'll sing after that, a closing hymn.
0: Thank you for joining us today. The Nigel Lee Archive is brought to you as a podcast by Living Leadership. For more information on the Nigel Lee Archive or Living Leadership's other ministries, please visit www.livingleadership.org. God bless.